I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Here we are. Book 2, Chapter 10, The Breaking of the Fellowship. It's a very happy chapter to end the book on. R.I.P. Super optimistic. But we have... We've finished. That is exciting. We've finished Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. Except it doesn't even feel like an accomplishment because we don't get to where the movie ends. I don't know. I felt pretty accomplished when I got to flip through the maps and then, you know, snap the book closed. Okay, it made that's a very fair. made a very way. satisfying noise. Making it to the maps was very satisfying. I I didn't audio book. <laughs> <laughs> no snappy. And you didn't even get, like, the boring, like, this has been an Audible production. No, because the the one I listened to shouldn't be listened to. (laughs) Right? Like, that's a set satisfaction in its own. Yes, let's hear about every person who was involved in the making of this and all about those copyright protections that we're violating. But mine had the music from the movie, so... Which is so cool. Though there is now a legal service that does, like, book tracks... For other types of audiobooks, that I think that's a great idea. I think it's awesome. Oh, interesting. I know. It's, I just, I want it, but I don't want to pay money, so I won't have it ever. I'm poor. Well, shall we get into this, the final chapter of Fellowship yeah. of the Ring? Let's actually talk about it instead of just crying about it. Sure, fine, we can do that. Our characters for this chapter are the characters we've had pretty much all along Frodo, Sam, Mary Pippin, Aragorn, Legolas. Gimli, Boromir, and then we also have the Eye, which I'm pretty sure we have seen before, or at least we've quote-unquote felt it before, but this may be the first time- Oh, in the mirror, right? In the mirror, yeah. Um, This may be the first time that Frodo's, like, truly felt its effects, and, you know, the shadow comes, which is kind of cool. I feel like this was the first time the Eye had, like, a personality? I don't know if that's the word- we're getting some real eye-to-eye contact here. <laughs> no. I'll That's just put great. the podcast now. <laughs> I loved it. No. All right, bye. Have fun with that you're one. Off, you're off the podcast, <laughs> <All> Rachel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On a related note, expect a uh, wanted poster shortly. <laughs> if you won't kick me out quite yet, I'll, I'll tell everyone what happens in this chapter. In short. Just this one time. Uh, the Fellowship puts the burden of the choice onto Frodo, because they've finally, like, they've put it off all they can, and then Frodo puts it off even more. By an hour. Yeah. But then, uh, they're not actually happy with Frodo's choice. <laughs> nope. I mean, I can't blame them. I wouldn't be happy either. Like, at least most of them know, but, yeah, no one's happy with Frodo, except us, because we love our boy. Well, I don't think they're, uh, unhappy with Frodo, they're mm-hmm. unhappy with his choice. Yeah. They understand what he's thinking. What is he thinking, Caitlin? Tell us. In depth. In a long summary. (laughs) Yeah, okay, sure, sure. I'll just go with that. Let's do it. 
So the fellowship has finally reached the fork in their road. So Aragorn takes them to the west side of the river to make camp and put off the decision for at least one more night. Yay. Um, he does, however, have an uneasy sleep and wakes in the middle of the night. Frodo is on watch and Aragorn asks him to take out Sting. Surprise, surprise, Sting does have a faint glow. There are orcs near, but not too near. Um, They talk about how they're probably on the other side of the river, but both are kind of like, you know, that's probably where they are. They're probably not over here. They've never been on this side of the river before, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. The next morning, uh, Aragorn announces that it is the day of the choice. They must choose to go either east or west. And Aragorn wishes Gandalf was there to make the choice, but also realizes he can totally pass the choice off to Frodo, who is the ring bearer after all. And he even says that Gandalf probably would have done the same thing, obviously covering for shirking his own responsibility here. <laughs> I just I just realized right now as you're calling it like the day of choice, like we didn't get any sentences about how like their doom was at last upon them. That's true, nope. but I... Hmm. This is totally a doom moment. It should have been. Anyway. I guess. I just always want doom. Uh, back to choices. I don't really see it as a doom moment, but okay. Um, Frodo asks for an hour to think about, which Aragorn grants him, as well he should, since Aragorn has thought about it for 10 days and not been able to choose. The least Frodo can have is an hour. <laughs> uh, Frodo wanders off on his own to sit and think and gets lost in his thoughts. He sort of shakes himself out of his thoughts when he feels like an evil eye watching him. Uh, but Trinturn finds, like, a happy, friendly Boromir wishing to speak to, with him one-on-one so as not to cause a big group debate. It's gonna go great. <laughs> In the conversation, Frodo admits that he knows what he must do, but is scared to do it. Boromir is insulted that Frodo does not trust the strength and valor of the men of Minas Tirith, and eventually the conversation is brought around to Boromir, not believing what Gandalf and Elrond have said, that no one can use the ring. If it is brought to Minas Tirith, he tries to convince Frodo that they can use it against the enemy for the good of people and save the world and destroy Sauron. And he goes on this big rant about using the ringdom and saving his kingdom and destroying Sauron and becoming this great powerful king himself because Aragorn won't do it. He just knows it and everybody will flock to his banner, which is interesting because he's he will never be king. He's a steward. Hmm. Well, he's the son of the steward. He's not even a steward. Yeah, he's son a of one. steward in training. But I mean, like, is he though? Well, steward. We're not debating that. Yep. Okay. So I just I think the ring is playing on his own dreams here mm-hmm. of wanting to be the king of Gondor, not just the steward of Gondor. That's very the mirror of Erised. Yes. Yep. We've won the fa- the house cup. <laughs> <laughs> Except a little more uh, bad because yeah. it's the One Ring. Um, the the whole rant just gives Frodo the push he needed to do what he knew he had to do and resolved to set off toward Mordor alone. Boromir sort of asks him to lend him the ring instead of just giving it to him because, you know, he doesn't. he's not a thief. He doesn't want to take it. He just wants to use it, but he doesn't want to keep it. It's fine. Uh, Frodo sort of backs away from him when he draws near and puts a large stone between them and Boromir then leaps at him to take the ring. Over Frodo the stone. dodges. Yeah, over the stone. Frodo dodges again and again. I just thought it was really dramatic that Boromir leaped upwards over a rock to tackle Frodo. Um, so yeah, Boromir leaps over the stone to take the ring. Frodo dodges, slips the ring on, and vanishes. Boromir flails about trying to find him while saying horrible things. Um, and But eventually he trips on a rock and then sort of comes to his senses. And he weeps upon realizing what he's done and said, 
and yells for Frodo to come back, saying a madness had taken him. I just, I, I mm-hmm. you mentioned next phrase, and Frodo doesn't even hear it. And this is the like saddest part for me that he'd never heard that that Boromir came to his senses and yeah was, was sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, he knows what happened to Boromir, but like Boromir just like realizing it and and feeling you know actual guilt about what's happened, and and Frodo like not knowing that does suck. It's just, I mean, and it's sad because obviously the ring kind of latched on to Boromir's strong desires and stuff and manipulating him and just, yeah, it's it's a really sad moment of seeing like what happened to him and what it means and how horrible it is. And then, you know, we know what happens. And so, yeah, he doesn't even get to make up for it. Well, he does. Yes. Not just not directly to Frodo. Yeah. So, as we just mentioned, Frodo doesn't hear Boromir's cries of remorse, for he's already run away and found a giant chair at the top of a hill. <laughs> Which he sits on, as you do, when you find a mysterious chair a in mysterious the wilderness. A mysterious giant chair. Yeah. And he's still got the ring on. Um, just as an aside, I, I genuinely don't remember if they've talked about it in the chapter, but they're on the hill of Amonhen. Mm-hmm. Just... That's where they are. I yeah. Don't know. It's one of the two seats, literal seats, on top of those two mountains. Yeah. Amon Hen and um, Amon La is on the other side of the river, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and Amon I always La, say... the orcs have been to, but they have yes. not been to Amon Hen, which yes. was interesting. And I always want to say Amon Sol, which is Weathertop, but it's <laughs> the one that you actually hear Aragorn say in the movies. So it's like the one that sticks in my mind. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Anyways, so while sitting on the chair, Frodo finds that he can see as though up close or floating above far places away in Middle-earth. Kind of like zooms in on them. He looks all around him and he sees Orthanc and Rohan and the Andorin from above and he sees Minas Tirith. And he, from Minas Tirith, he looks over east and sees Minas Morgul and the borders of Mordor and eventually to Barad-dur itself, where he draws the attention of the very last being he wanted to draw the attention of. Um, it also mentions that as he looks upon Barad-dur, all hope left him upon like seeing Mordor and where Mount Doom was and all that sort of thing. And I just think that's important considering what he chooses to do. Uh, also, it's like, even beyond that, he just sees all of the war across everywhere. And I think he he's the one who right, first yes. tells us about, like, wargs uh, across Rohan and stuff like that. Like, he's just seeing everywhere being just, like... Destroyed. Right, and there's, like, smoke coming from Barad-dur and approaching... Not Barad-dur, sorry. Um, Dol Guldur and approaching Lothlorien. And, and, yeah, he sees sort of the beginnings of the war all over Middle-earth. So... Referring to where I said he draws his attention of the very last <laughs> being he wanted, who is no longer grounded by his dad, but still not really mobile, the Eye of Sauron catches sight of Frodo and tries to sort of pinpoint his location and infiltrate his mind. Um, Frodo flings himself off the chair, but can still feel the presence of the Eye in his mind, influencing his thoughts. He then hears a voice in his mind yelling at him to take off the ring and eventually, uh, for a moment, perfectly balanced between their piercing points. He writhed, tormented, suddenly was aware of himself again. Frodo, neither the voice nor the eye, free to choose, and one remaining instant in which to do so. And he flings the ring off, which breaks the connection with the eye and presumably the voice, which he doesn't hear anymore. And we don't get any more on. But before that, it was like this. Two things yelling at him in his mind. A very literal angel on one shoulder and devil on the other. 
Do you have any ideas what the voice was? Or theories? Gandalf. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, just going to answer Varda because that's my answer to everything now. <laughs> the The audiobook I was listening to when he when he performed the voice did imitate, did do his Gandalf voice. Hmm. Huh. So that probably, like, what's the word? I mean, Gandalf. He biased me towards that or whatever. Mm. But I do think at this point, Gandalf is in Lothlorien, technically, I think. Could be. I was going to say that Gandalf is also just sort of his conscience. Like, right, it might not have been kind of relationship. It might have just been symbolic. Or if some greater power, you know, be it, you know, from, from Galadriel or by giving him the light, you know, is it mm-hmm. a message from Varda via Herendale? If, like, Frodo would interpret it in Gandalf's voice. And it could have like. just been. Frodo. I mean, I understand that this voice felt like some completely other thing, but he was also almost being possessed by Sauron. So he's got this large conflict going on in his tiny little body. Yeah, that might lead to some interesting psychosis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly do think it was something else coming from outside just because of the way it was described. Mm-hmm. It was um, a creepy passage. Yeah. Well, we've just had so much talk about the different forces against each other and, you know, the literal border between Lothlorien and the rest of the world. Yeah, in the beginning, even. I mean, we're going back. We haven't talked about Frodo's dreams in a while, but they were pretty much foretelling, like, he was on the side of the light or whatever. I, I can't did think of any exact lines right now, but I, I I think Gandalf did talk about how there were active forces at work against each other. And Well, there's his famous line, too, you know, that, he, that Frodo was meant to have the ring, mm-hmm. which implies the same thing. Right. You know, we don't get such explicit i guess because good isn't quite so monolithic maybe you know we don't have that singular tower of goodness well i think i mean it's been shown that the side of quote-unquote good in these books is actually more complicated Mm -hmm. than the side of evil evil is always evil but good can be you know feanor yeah Yeah. or i well i don't know that i would actually call feanor good um but you know what i mean right right exactly um and it's it's easy to be bad which kind of comes into play with Frodo having to make this choice, right? He knows that the easy choice is the wrong one. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting really philosophical now. It's deep. Well, took a deep turn. Of all chapters, it's a good one to do it. (laughs) I was just going to say, we've reached the end of the book. We should maybe take it a little bit more seriously than we normally do. So, you know, little, little, little. So he comes to himself lying on the grass in front of the chair. And he sees a, or he sort of looks above him, and a black shadow seemed to pass like an arm above him. It missed Amunhen and groped out west and faded. So while Sauron might have an idea of where he is, he did not, he did not see exactly where Frodo was. This makes me think of all those scenes in movies where you're like trying to wait and hold the person on the other end of the phone call until you can triangulate their exact position. <laughs> Frodo hung up just in time. That's not where I thought you were going with that at all. <laughs> it's the Middle Earth version of every spy and detective movie. CSI Mordor. <laughs> God, actually, I'd probably watch that, I, but I don't want to give CSI any money or, <laughs> I mean, or anything, and so. Amazon. Uh, we can call it something else. Give us a call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how Amazon hasn't hired us yet is a mystery. Right. Gosh. Really, they're missing their chances. So this, coupled with the evidence that Boromir presented that the evil of the ring is already at work within the company, resolves Frodo to go alone. Um, he heads back towards where he left the others. Here's them all kind of arguing. So he slips on the ring again so they don't see him. Uh, this seems like a risky choice to me, Shady. considering 
what yep. just happened, but seems to work. Yeah. So, like, right. whatever. <laughs> so then we switch point of views back to the group, and we sort of go back into time. Back, blah, 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 blah. We sort of go back in time to just after Frodo walked off, or a little bit, a little bit more than that. Um, and they all sort of sit around wondering why Frodo's taking so long to decide, which is super hypocritical, if you ask me. Yeah. Considering you couldn't the make a days. decision, so. yeah. Um, Aragorn proposes splitting the party with himself, Sam, and Gimli going with Frodo to Mordor and the rest going on to Minas Tirith, which I thought was a really interesting choice of people. I honestly thought Aragorn would choose Legolas over Gimli. Yeah, that would have been my assumption too. But um, so, I don't know. You can't split up the BFFs. Well, he does say afterwards that Legolas is pretty much free to do whatever the hell he wants, even mm-hmm. like he can follow them if, if he wants. But I just <laughs> thought that that yeah. Aragorn would have been like would would have thought that the elf was the more useful one going into Mordor. Right. I mean, what with the eyesight and range and also weaponry and Aragorn's just elfness. general background. Yeah. Like, I I just don't think Gimli's the stealthiest of people yeah. either. So, <laughs> no, no offense. He's just got that big ass armor. You know. Maybe mm-hmm. this is Tolkien's way of just reminding us that Gimli is sitting around the fire because he doesn't <laughs> say much. This is true. Yep. Mary and Pippin aren't happy with that at all and start yelling that they either have to stop. They start yelling that they would prefer to stop Frodo from going to Mordor at all, which is sweet of them, if rather naive. Um, But they also mention that if they can't stop him, they won't leave him. And that was nice, too. Friends. Um, But Sam interrupts all this to say that everyone is wrong and that this and that Frodo isn't like still trying to decide what to do. He already knows what he's going to do. He's just um, like Sam knows that Frodo knows that he has to go alone. He's just taking all this time to screw himself up to do it. They talk a lot about Frodo screwing himself up here. Yeah. And I actually think Interesting that choice is, of words. Well, I think it's rather accurate. Because <laughs> I do that too. You know, I just get all screwed up about something. But it is also at this point that they realize Boromir is missing. Um, Aragorn agrees with Sam that that he thinks Frodo is going to just go by himself. Um, but and doesn't think that they should stop him as he is the ring bearer and also says that there are other powers at work far stronger that he assumes will encourage Frodo to go off alone. Like Varda. So that could also like what? Varda. Oh Varda. I thought <laughs> like you Varda. said like Frodo. And I was yes. like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess coming from when we just heard that voice and Frodo said you could put those two things together if you wanted. And then it is at this point that Boromir returns. Boromir tells them all enough of the truth so that they know Frodo has put the ring on and run off, but he is sort of shifty enough and everyone is kind of side-eyeing him about what he's done, you know, thinking that he's probably done something bad and caused Frodo to run off, but he, he doesn't really say every, anything. Yeah, and at least um, like so- all of the hobbits have at this point observed him being a little bit creeptastic. Yeah, so everyone, you know, now realizing that Frodo's going to go off alone, that he's put the ring on and run off, go running off after him to try to catch him and stop him. Um, Aragorn thinks this is dumb (laughs) (laughs) for the party to completely separate itself. Where are you going? They know know orcs are near, so he sort of brusquely tasks Boromir with protecting Merry and Pippin. And then Sam and Aragorn run off towards Amun-Hen, and Aragorn eventually finds Frodo's tracks and rushes off following them. Sam can't keep up and stops to think. What a concept. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> he realizes that if Frodo is going to leave on his own, he needs a boat to do it and rushes back the way they came. <laughs> so smart. A boat and supplies. Be- like, yeah. I can't, I can't believe nobody just stayed with the fucking boat. 
I know, just even if nothing else, like, someone stay to protect our supplies or something, like, what? Frodo! Other, right? Frodo, even if if Frodo wasn't coming to leave, like, oh, great, orcs show up and take all of your shit. Or knock holes in the boats, as Sam threatened. Yep. You know, and then it doesn't, then their choice is made for them. Yeah. Which I guess is all they really wanted. <laughs> it's true. So good at this adventuring thing. So when Sam reaches the beach, he sees a boat pushing itself out into the water and figures that invisible Frodo, or figures that that is invisible Frodo, and leaps into the water after the boat, almost getting himself drowned. Which, I love the image here, because it's not like him waiting after it. No, he literally just takes a flying jump and misses. Yeah. It's a belly flop. <laughs> it's, it's the most Sam thing ever. Yep. Frodo, invisible Frodo, pulls him up by his hair, which, oh. I mean, I... I get that you just grab onto anything you can in a situation like this, but God, that would suck. I know. Ouch. And is yelling at Sam to grab his hand, but like he's invisible. He, and <laughs> also the though, fucking ring off. I mean, he's invisible and they're not that deep in the water yet. It seemed like Sam didn't make it that far offshore. Well, they're short and it might not be like a beach, right? It might just be like a, like, the, like it might get deep off. really quickly. Yeah. I guess it's possible. Geography, it would be extra man. funny, though, if it was like a gentle beach and Sam jumped as far <laughs> as he could, and that's like four inches of water. <laughs> uh, at which point it would have been really cruel for Frodo to pull him up by his hair. <laughs> Sam lies face down, tries to drown in a puddle. I'd rather be dead than go to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that turned real fast. Anyways, eventually, uh, Sam does get a grip on the side of the boat, and Frodo rows back to shore so he can stand on his own two feet. Sam is then relentless about going with Frodo, and Frodo realizes that Sam's not going to let him go alone. So Sam grabs his things. They talk about, you know, punching holes in the other boat so that the rest of the party can't follow them, but I don't know if they actually did it. I kind of hope they did, because that's shitty and kind of funny. Yep. Um, but it gets in the boat and the hobbits paddle off to the eastern shore. A decision finally made and acted upon. It's been three chapters. <laughs> and like, you know, magic time passing period in Lothlorien and 10 days on the boat. So really, you know, that's like a, a, well, at least a month of indecision. And then Frodo took an hour. Yeah. Well, no, he took a he lost track of time and took like he a took couple a, hours. Okay, he took two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and one hour was like the point where Boromir came. So like he'd made the decision. Yeah. Um. So I just thought since it's the end of the book, I would just read the last two paragraphs here. Um. So Frodo and Sam set off on the last stage of the quest together. Frodo paddled away from the shore and the river bore them swiftly away down the western arm and past the frowning cliffs of Tolbrandir. The roar of the Great Falls drew nearer. Even with such help as Sam could give, it was hard work to pass across the current at the southward end of the island and drive the boat eastward towards the far shore. At length, they came to land again upon the southern slopes of Amunlaw. There they found a shelving shore. They drew the boat out high above the water and hid it as well as they could behind a great boulder. Then shouldering their burdens, they set off, seeking a path that would bring them over the gray hills of Emin Mule and down into the Land of Shadow. The end of Fellowship of the Ring. The end of the Fellowship. Oh. Yeah. Well. The breaking no. of the Fellowship. They haven't let the each other go yet. I think it's a big ass theme in the next two books that the Fellowship still exists in their hearts. 
The fellowship was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's that. I do think it's very interesting that this is movie wise. This is the only movie like that had bits from the second book at the end of it. Whilst the second movie left all this second book stuff for the third movie. Mm -hmm. Also interesting that, um, I mean, like, it makes sense in the book. It, it's a little extra beating it into your head in the movie. But having the, the touching moment between Aragorn and Frodo. I do wish um, the book had had that. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I, they're goodbye. And, like, they, they do sort of cover it when Aragorn says, you know, like, I'll go with Frodo. It's cool. But Frodo doesn't know that. I think Frodo knows that, but he doesn't hear it. Mm -hmm. And that would have been good for him to have that one last moment of, hey, there's one honorable dude. Yeah. Well, and they don't talk about it, but like everyone else was like, yeah, we might rather go elsewhere, but we won't go with you. And yeah. they all say that, but not with Frodo around. And Which also, is so sad. <laughs> in that same sort of goodbye scene, they have that bit where Aragorn is tempted by the ring and, mm -hmm. and like closes Frodo's hand around it. And I do wish we'd gotten something like that for Aragorn. It would have provided a better balance to Boromir being the only one that sort of caved. Because, I mean, the ring was probably working on everyone. Or trying to. I mean, we've seen other people tempted by it. That's the thing that I was thinking as I was reading this. Like, Boromir is facing this. But we, as the reader, and Frodo, as the ring bearer, has seen, like, two separate people, like, think about taking the ring and, you know, do the whole... It would be, I, you know, I'm tempted, but it would be terrible and all that fun stuff between both Gandalf what? and Galadriel. And I guess as the reader, we've also seen Bilbo mm -hmm. unable to give it, or almost unable to give it up. Right. Um, but Boromir hasn't. So he really is just going on everyone's word that this is bad. But he wasn't there in the mirror scene. Yeah, that's right? true. If he'd seen Galadriel, like, w would he have believed it more? I mean, it probably wouldn't have changed anything, but still. Well, he does also have a line about how maybe it's that way for elves and half-elves and wizards, but not for honorable men. Yeah. So, you know, he's still a bit of a dick, but... But, I mean, some of it does come from the ring, but also I think some of it is the ring pulling out his innermost mm -hmm. thoughts. Right. Which doesn't, like, I mean, we not, we, people are not their innermost thoughts if they choose not to act on them. Oh, and I have so, no room to judge, like... Yeah. I would absolutely be fucked over by the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Our innermost thoughts are a dark place. <laughs> I do think there's a lot more to say about Boromir being tempted by the ring, but not really until we see somebody else from his family not get tempted by the ring. So I think we'll, yeah, we'll get there. We'll come back to that. Yeah. I wonder who that could be. I mean, if you've only seen mm. the movies, you might genuinely be wondering. Anyone have any like impressions now that we've made it to the end of the book as a whole? Well, just from this chapter, I wanted to say what my yeah, favorite yeah, bit Go is ahead. that that last conversation between Frodo and Sam. Mm -hmm. It's really good because it's all just Frodo being like, I'm going on my own and Frodo being like with me or Sam being like with me. Yep. Going you on your be own safe without with me. my friend. Yep. And yep. me. You're like, you're not leaving me. It's not happening. You wouldn't make sure survive you don't go. one month without me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I really like it. Um, I liked it, too. I thought it was interesting that this book ends on what is like a climactic moment for character arcs, but not really a climactic moment insofar as the plot. Yeah. Right? Because we've, we're like, they were on the river. They've pulled off the river. They're going to make a decision. 
that's it. That's the end. That's not really a climactic place to to stop the book. But it's still, I don't know, it still feels like an ending because of Frodo's journey emotionally or whatever. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking of it in the sense of like, this is an easy place if I think about it in terms of book one and book two, that it makes Mm -hmm. more sense. But in terms of like, this is the fellowship of the ring and now it's ending, like the plot pacing is very messed up by modern standards. Yes, but do keep in mind, Tolkien wrote all three books as one and the publisher made him split them up. Wise of them. Pretty sure. Yeah. This is actually the end of book two, so... Oh my god, we're gonna have to start off with like the two towers, book three, chapter one. Ugh. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Although that being said, I have always wanted to own the copy of the books that splits them into their smaller books because mm-hmm. it would just be so much more transportable. Just like nice little bits. They'd look like novellas. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can only buy it with like movie tie in covers, and I hate movie oh, tie in covers. Gosh. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, as Rachel said, anybody have any overall impressions of the book as a whole? I just, I, I'm interested. We'll see how it goes with the other ones. And again, I really like reading this in its bits and pieces. So I don't feel quite so grumbly about all of the slow bits, like ten days on a river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, you were pretty grumbly about that. I was pretty grumbly, but. Not in it like could have been worse. my reading. It didn't make me want to be like, I need to skip this chapter so that I can get to the stuff. But at, at the end of this book, I always just feel like, you know, I've had a nice warm hug. Interesting. I sometimes feel that way at the end of Return of the King, but everything's mm-hmm. still so up in the air here that I don't feel that way now. I just feel like Sam and Frodo's friendship has been nicely solidified. Mm-hmm. And that's really that sweet. Too. I do like, I like, I like their bro moments. I am sad. <sighs> That Aragorn and Frodo are split up, won't see each other for a really long time. Hmm. I guess this is when Aragorn chooses Arwen over Frodo or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's only because Frodo's not there. Yeah, that's the yeah. only reason. I mean, yeah. Arwen's not there either. But <laughs> No. I'm excited for Two Towers. It's got my favorite sequences of events in the, the trilogy. So I'm excited for... A female character who does some shit. Yeah. That'll be cool. Although that's, I think, still more than a book away. But we meet her in the two towers. Um, I do also really like, I like a lot of the characters we meet in book two. Or in the two towers. So I'm excited for that. Again, last time I reread these, I like got stuck halfway through because life happened. So we're going to get past there. And it's going to be like reading it new all over again, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I've reread the trilogy before, and I remember The Fellowship and Return of the King. Mm-hmm. I remember nothing. <laughs> well, not <laughs> nothing, but like when I think about the two towers, I'm like, everything in my head is the movie. And yeah. like, I know logically that that came from the book, but I'm, I'm just like, I don't remember how they're different. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Homework for next week is to watch. The Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition, because that's what it is. There's no other version out there. Yep. Despite what Netflix in Canada, I suppose, has on it. (laughs) And Netflix in America. Although it it has the extended edition of Return of the King, but theatrical of Fellowship and Two Towers. So I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Anyways, 
Um, that is your homework for next week. And then after that, we're going to figure out exactly what our drunk episode will be. Um, we're sort of debating at the moment between a drunken recap after we watch the movie. So we'll probably be confused about what's book and what's movie or a drunken watch of the animated film like we did with The Hobbit. If you have an opinion or any other ideas for what you'd like for us to do for a fun drinking episode, uh, you can let us know on Twitter at to read Tolkien or email us at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. And I think that's that for Fellowship of the Ring. We're done. We did it. We did it. Oh my gosh. Two more books to go. Ah. And yeah, so we'll see you all next week for the movie. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. I'm Caitlin. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.